Did you know 663 million people live without clean drinking water every day? That's nearly one in 10. Let me tell you about my friends at FNX. FNX can solve all your health, nutrition, and supplement needs because they are first class in making their products so you can be at your best. Whether you're a CrossFit freak, bodybuilder, or just mom and dad making it a point twice per week, FNX will elevate your game. I have been using FNX and I feel and see the difference. The protein, delicious. My workouts, way more intense. And my energy, there all day. Try it for yourself. Visit fnxfit.com. Use code 4C15. That's 4C15 for 15% off each order. What's more, every time you make a purchase, a child in need receives one gallon of clean drinking water. FNX has donated over 100,000 gallons of clean drinking water. Make your mark today. Welcome in, everyone. It's Pete Forsey. It's the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us here today. We're coming at you here on a Monday evening, May 11th, week 10 of quarantine. It's getting to be a, a little bit sad here, getting to be a little bit tough, but we will keep chugging along. I, I, I will take any and all advice from people that continue just to forge ahead uh, because I'm running out of ideas. I mean, I'm still going good here, but... Um, yeah, definitely any tactics or advice just to keep yourself, uh, stimulated, uh, would be helpful. We do have a different sort of podcast this week. We're going to be going into an interview with one Rayshon Simmons, professional European basketball player, a guy I know personally, a guy that was nice enough to take some time with me to chat about his career. A lot of good stuff from Ray, and we will hit on that here shortly, but we will talk about the last dance episode seven and eight. These were definitely my favorite episodes thus far in the docuseries, the 10-part series highlighting the Chicago Bulls, the 1998 Chicago basketball team. So we will touch on that. In addition, I'm going to get to Adam Wainwright. There was a good article by Ken Rosenthal in The Athletic talking about the Cardinals' right-hander and really how he feels he could extend his career a couple more years based off this pandemic, having time to heal, and where I think I got him wrong. I was thinking Wainwright was done a couple of years ago, definitely took a strong stance on that. I do some self-assessment there. So let's get to it. It's going to be episode 44 of the podcast. Definitely wanted to hit on the last dance now that we are through eight episodes of the Chicago Bulls documentary. I think yesterday evening, episode seven and eight, best that we've had thus far of the batch. We got the final two next Sunday. Definitely has been a pleasure having something to sit down and look forward to weekly since we don't have live sports. The thing that really stuck out to me this go-around, Michael Jordan and him being a must-see event live, totally different energy, totally different electricity. I don't know if it's just the the filmmakers and them being able to portray this really good, but they've definitely sold me. Just, it's different, a different dynamic than LeBron. I think because LeBron in the area that he's, or in the era, excuse me, that he's playing in, the fact that he's in our pocket on our smartphones, we can check out his highlights whenever we want. We can check him out live whenever we want, and all of his games for most of his career have been broadcasted nationally. 
the fact that we have the accessibility to watch him, I'm not going to say it makes him any less good, but, you know, it, it wears off on you. It grows a little bit stale. Whereas with Jordan, you know, you consumed him through the newspaper, through the SI articles that came out weekly in a hard copy. You checked him out on the 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock news, and if you didn't have cable, maybe you didn't see that, or if you didn't hit it at that correct hour, you missed catching up on Jordan. So, seeing him live in person, even on television to a degree, that's a big deal. And that's what I'm really taking away from this. And again, maybe I'm falling victim to just this documentary. And as we all know, documentaries are always biased. They're always skewed in some way or another based off what the director wants to get out of it and who he's interviewing. So maybe I'm falling victim to this. But it appears to be true from everything that I can gather. This guy was a different type of energy in the building each night because he brought it. He brought his best competition night in and night out pedal to the metal. And we talk a little bit about, you know, that mentality in episode seven and eight and how it was, you know, it rubbed people the wrong way. And I think they definitely, definitely captured why he's the goat, why he's the greatest of all time, or at least was for a period of time. I'm not going to get into that debate. The reason he was on that level is because he did understand there's a price to pay for winning for leadership and you are going to rub people the wrong way. And maybe pushing the buttons of people isn't always the thing that they want. And maybe that's not always what's going to make you buddy buddies. But that's not the goal here. The goal is to elevate your game up to a standard that it's never been. And that's what I really expect out of athletes who are the bar setters. I'm pretty critical of a lot of guys who don't have the character. That don't have the leadership. Guys that have the talent and are supposed to be those in the locker room. I've been pretty critical of Odell Beckham Jr. That's something that I would totally accept. Something that I would totally accept from him instead of being the, frankly, locker room cancer that he is. Michael Jordan, yeah, he ruffled some feathers, but you know what? He's trying to set the bar. He's trying to bring it every day. Maybe it's not everybody's style, but it is effective. And it's effective through the championships that he brought to Chicago. Part of it is style of play, I think. He was in a rough and tumble era. And I do think that we are starting to maybe see a pivot in how this era of fans who really are more pro-LeBron, because again, they've seen him, they might start to pivot a little bit. Seeing the clips now that Jordan played through and saying, huh, I do see what they mean now. It was kind of a different brand of basketball. It was a little bit rougher. You did see guys get smacked to the floor. You did see fouls that nowadays would cost a five-game suspension for the offender. I don't know. The GOAT conversation, I'm not saying it's going to change dramatically. It's not going to be a radical shift here. But due to this documentary, due to this being really Jordan's first time for a lot of folks, him having the floor and him only talking about his career. Again, we talked last week about Jordan. Anytime he speaks publicly, really, it's about LeBron or it's about his team out in Charlotte. Right now. This is the time, first time I've ever heard it with Michael Jordan. He's talking about his career, and he's all alone. He's all alone. I don't hear any interviews with LeBron right now during this two-week, or I guess five-week uh, layout of the docuseries. It's been great. It's been new, and I can't wait for episodes 9 and 10, episodes 7 and 8. If you haven't seen it yet, I would check him out. But let's get to another pro baller, the Ray Sean Simmons interview. 
privilege in joining me is Ray Sean Simmons, professional European basketball player and Western Grove's High alum. Ray, how are we doing, my man? Man, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Excellent. You know, Ray, we talk a lot of football on this show, and I know with people and their favorite NFL team, they often reference their quarterback as my quarterback. But for me, in this instance, it's true. I am talking with my quarterback from over at Webster Groves, which I believe we have some passing yards and touchdown uh, records that you still hold over there. Is that the case? Can you name off a few for us? Uh, yes, I have the the, pat, the single season passing yards and the touchdown record, I believe. I okay. Believe. You I, believe? Yeah. I feel like you know, but maybe you're just trying to be a little humble. <laughs> just a little, just a little. <laughs> okay. Well, I know that the uh, the program has kind of fell on hard times. I'm sure you saw that. That coach, Cliff Ice, is out, and there's probably no one that maybe made a run at those records. So I, I'm glad to hear that's still in your name. Um but okay, man. Uh, happy to have you here. I don't know if you know, but you're the first pro athlete to be on the podcast here with me. So it's a very uh, selective position I put you in here. I hope you know it's an honor. Yeah, no, for sure. Hey, I'm honored. I'm honored for especially the day when you start doing all the LeBron James and you know the Cam Newtons and all those guys. <laughs> oh, if we get them on the show, man, then we're definitely going to be somewhere. But uh, that, that's going to be, I would imagine, a few years down the line. Now, dude, awesome. you know who Optimism. is not? You know who is big timing me? And I know he is big time, but you, you're tight with him? Is Fairbanks. What's his deal? I have a text thread. I, my text thread with him is straight blue bubbles. Just me asking him about the podcast, trying to get him on here. What, what's his deal, man? Why is he ignoring me? Uh, I couldn't tell you, Forcey. I really could. I, I have a, I have a, he hasn't mentioned that to me. My boy hasn't. I'm going to call him up I, in this interview and ask him, though. That's funny. I know. I know you're tight with him. I want to know. What, what's it going to take? Did I say something about him? Hey, I've never heard uh, any bad blood with you, with him, with you and him. But you know, Peter, he has this small circle, you know. So that could be it. I don't know if you're texting the right number. I don't, you know, I don't know. He has this small circle, but. I don't see him being big time, you know, a big time anybody or, you know, anybody we grew up with, especially. I know. Pete's a good guy. I'm surprised. I'll just uh, you know, do some digging on that for me, Ray. All right. Cause I want to get him on here. Talk about, uh, talk about where he's been as well, but with yeah. you, you know, we're, we're here to talk about basketball overseas. You're back here now, but prior to that, I think we have about four years experience over there. We've gone from the yeah. Czech Republic. That's where you began to Hungary, yes. to Germany, Belgium, and some, some summer ball in Australia. Now, yes, yes. You, you began this, I believe, at 22, 23 years of age. That's pretty big at that age to decide that I'm going to go overseas, uproot my life to play ball. Now, you're doing something you love, but ultimately, I'm curious, why did you believe that that was the right move for you at that time? Ah. Uh. I've always wanted to play a professional sport, you know, and, and I I had two stints with the uh, Washington Wizards NBA Summer League team. So I played in the Summer yeah. League where all the, like, the draft picks play. So I, I had two stints, and, you know, I just felt like I wasn't ready to play on an NBA team. You know, sometimes you have to be real with yourself, and I don't think people do that enough. And 
I, I don't think I had the athleticism to quite play in the NBA at that time or the 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 other things to come around it to be able to play. So I thought about it and you was like, you know, am I going to go to the G League and make 25K, 30K, or am I going to go overseas and make double of that and have it untaxed and everything paid for as opposed to making 25, 30K there and having to pay for things, you know? So that was yeah. that was my first year, and then I was like, then I have after that, you know, I have a chance to make more and more and more. Like I'm making more and more, you know. So it's like, it was it was kind of a no brainer for me. And then it was like just to see the world, you know. I'm kind of I'm really a spontaneous person, so I kind of enjoyed it. And I've always been alone. I went to college alone, uh, all the way up in Central Michigan. I never was home, so it was no different for me. I've never really been home since high school, so. It was like, you know, I wasn't nervous about that. So I just kind of did yeah, it. Yeah, so it sounds like it was – I mean, it sounds like it was calculated on your part. Like, I mean, did you know people that had done this previously and kind of let you know what living over there is like and what you could expect? Or did you just do the research on your own and figure it out and say, hey, this is the best option? Uh. It really, I really didn't know that many people over there playing professional. I knew like maybe one or two guys from St. Louis, but they like weren't playing at a high level. They were like playing in like you know there's there's a lot of different leagues, and they were like in a bad league, not necessarily a bad league, but like a starting off league, you know. And I was like, I don't want to yeah. do that. So you know, but I had agents just in college. I had so many agents just calling and texting and on Facebook. Like I'm talking about hundreds of messages. I have about hundreds yeah. of agents that I've just, you know, just kept – like, I have agents right now calling me and texting me every day, like, trying to take me from my agency, you know, and I'm just like – that's that's pretty much how I found out about it, you know, and then just kind of okay. watching basketball, being a fan of basketball, you kind of figure out – when you see those Europeans like Luka Donitz coming over, you know, Ricky Rubio, you try to figure out – or when Brandon Jennings went over there, I think he went to China, you know, you just start to find out more as you grow up and you see people like instead of going to high school, I mean, instead of going to college, going overseas. So like that kind of helped me learn a little bit as well. Yeah. Let's get into the actual basketball here. So like I said, it's been a few years that you've actually been playing over there, transitioning from the college game. That's what you did last over here. And then you mentioned, you know, training camp with the wizards. What's the difference, difference in style play between the American game and the European game now that you got a few years under your belt? Um, the best way I describe this to everyone is the the European game is the NBA game when Jordan was playing. You know, you're going to get put on your <clears> back. You're not going – as an American, you're not – you we're American. You're not going to get any calls. You know, you're going <laughs> to go into some hostile environments. You might have a fan – like one of my one of my teammates, a fan spit on him. You know, one fan threw his gum in his hair. When you're losing games, it's not it's not pretty. It's ugly. You know, the fans are crazy. They're up in your grill. You'll like you'll see some on, on some. You'll see uh, they'll have like the fires in the stand, the flares in the stands in some arenas. If you go to like Greece, like a Pantheakos or Olympiakos, those two play against each other. You know, refs getting chased out the gym. You know, people are betting. It's really the basketball really 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Is really what it is, and um, there's also there's no defense of three seconds. That's why when you've seen Luka Doncic say it was harder to score in Europe, that's because 
there's constantly someone in the paint and you will get put on your back. In the NBA, you can't touch anyone. And there's a defense of three seconds, so the lane is open constantly, you know? So yeah. that's probably the best way to sum it up. Wow. That is nuts as far as just the refs getting chased out of the gym, getting yeah. spit on, gum throw on you. Man, I mean, you know, does you, it – you going to say, does it elevate your game? Do you get locked in? I mean, I'm not – I know you don't want to get spat on, but in a way, does it just help you just – focus up and play even harder? Yeah, you, you have to, like, for instance, like, you will get sent home. Like, I'll tell a quick story. Uh, I was in Hungary. Hungary is, man, it's it's rough. Hungary is a rough country, you know. Eastern Europe is rough, period. You know, it's totally different than Western Europe. But Eastern Europe, I was in Hungary, and we had lost our first two, three games. So, you know, they, they were like, all right, we want to make changes at the point guard position. So, but my contract is guaranteed for the year. So I'm like, okay, you can make a change, but you're going to have to pay me this, you know, you're going to have to pay me this money, you know, you're going to have to pay me. And, you know, they're like, okay, so we, we reached a deal finally, but it took us, say, a, a month or, yeah, about a month. So I'm sitting there, mind you, when they say this, like, okay, you don't come to any more practices and you can't use any weight room and then it's like a small town. So they're like, oh, yeah, and you can't go to any gym in this town. I'm like, wow. So I'm literally in my apartment quarantine, basically. <laughs> but uh, yeah. there's literally nothing to do. And and they, um, I go to the game to see one of my friends play because they're still on the team. Like, I have a few other Americans on the team. And after the game, they lose another game. So now they're 0-4. Next thing you know, my friends are in the locker room after the game. And all the whole stadium is in there. And they're just starting to chant, like, F you, Simmons, F you. I just look around. I'm just like, wow. And <laughs> next thing you know, I, I finally turn back around, and there's a mob of fans, like, walking towards me. And I'm just like, I myself, like, what am I going to do, you know? And then the security had to get me on the floor and escort me out the gym. And I'm just like, wow. Like, you know, that was, like, one of the crazy experiences in Europe I've had personally. I'm just like, yo, this is serious. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah so. <laughs> Let's dig a little bit deeper into that day today. So obviously you got the game you got game day. You you're playing in the evenings. What is kind of your routine? Because I think people have an idea of maybe what a pro basketball player does, but you know, it's reserved to what maybe an NBA guy does. What's your yeah, morning AM routine? What do you do up until the game at night? Okay, uh I'll run you through game day. I'll wake up, make breakfast usually bacon, eggs, sandwich, and then I'll – and pancakes. Uh, And then I'll um do yoga. But usually while I'm eating breakfast, I'm watching game film on the opponent I'm playing. Usually mm. practice day, I'm watching I'm watching my film, you know. And then I'll do my yoga. I'll uh go to the gym, shoot around a little bit, and then I'll – Take I'll eat lunch and then I'll take a nap because I I need a nap because I get too hyped up for games and I start thinking about so many things but the nap it gives me a mental reset I just you know everything that was on my mind I just wake up and now I'm like okay I got this much time all I'm thinking about is what I have to do to get ready to go to the gym and then by the time I get to the gym it's you know I'm cool I'm cool I don't want to overthink the game or overthink something I'm supposed to be doing so 
that's pretty much how I run through my game day. Sure. Yeah, I do know that most guys are kind of doing that power nap thing before the game, which it sounds so simple, but a lot of people didn't always often realize, like, yo, if you're not rested up, ready to go and recharge right before the game, you're not going to play at an elite level. So are, are most guys doing that, I would presume, as far as just getting into that habitual process, including the nap? Yeah, I, I think I think most guys are doing that. I think most guys are doing that. But I know okay. some guys that don't like to take naps because they say it makes them feel sluggish. You know? Sure. I don't, I, I've heard a lot of different things. You know, some guys don't want to take a nap. Some guys will take yeah. a nap and then have to take another shower, you know, to try to wake them up, like a hot and cold shower for two minutes each, hot and two minutes cold or whatever. So, like, I've, I've I dig- pretty much seen it all. I dig into that, man, because I feel like sleep's important. And you got, like, athletes. I read all these stories. They're they're staying up till, like, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., and I'm just like, man, that doesn't make any sense. But what do I know? Um, okay. No, I, say, I, would, Let's I would agree with you. I would agree with – sorry to cut you. I would agree with you. I, I noticed a big change in my game from my rookie year to my soft, to my second year pro. Just all I did was change was going to sleep at 10, 11 o'clock instead of 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. So I, I personally agree with you from experience. It's Sean Simmons, professional European basketball player. He's joined the podcast. Ray, we've been a few years into uh, the culture here in, in Europe. What have you learned as far as in your three or a handful of years now living in Europe from the culture? What have you learned about yourself and just the uh, the society that you've been exposed to? Uh, I think the biggest thing I learned is just be open. I think coming from St. Louis and like my background and things I've been through growing up, I've been more of a closed off person, you know, and when I first got over there, I had a vet on my team that, you know, I used to just be not talk to anybody or anything. And I just had to learn to open up to them, you know, because I am an American. All they know is what they see on TV. So, you know, they want to talk to you. They want to try to speak their English to you. You know, they want they want to talk because they finally have someone to talk English with. And, like, the only time they see, like, someone that looks like me is on TV, you know. So I think that was one of the biggest things I've learned. And just it's, it's a totally different vibe over there. Um, everyone is just so, like, chill, laid back. You're not worried about, like, nobody has guns, like, you know, there's not really violence over there. You know, of course, there's some violence, yeah. but it's, there, there's not really, you know, there's nothing really crazy happening, you know, like it is here. You know, you're not, you might yeah. see a fight, but you're not, you're not going to see someone shooting or cars just constantly being stolen, houses broken into, like, you know, people are, you know, people, like, for instance, this is what I tell people. You walking in a crosswalk here, nine times out of ten, that car is going to keep going. If you're in Europe, every car is going to stop if you're, if you're standing at a crosswalk or if you're walking towards a crosswalk, those cars are going to stop and let you walk past. Let's get into the pandemic here. So take us through the moment you learned that this was kind of real because in Europe, obviously before the U S you know, this was kind of going on. So it was on your radar. When did you first start learning about it? But then when did it get real and who made you aware? Was it your coach? Was it the commissioner? What, What take us through it, right? Um, so it was, it was kind of crazy. Like I, I heard about it in November, 
But like back in like October, November, we're hearing about it, but we're more so making jokes. Like every time somebody's sick, it's like, uh-uh, you got that corona, you know, like we're like, oh, you know, not taking it serious, you know, like it was it was a joke. You know how teammates in the locker room, like, you know, joke around. It was nothing serious, you know. We'll never say that now, but like so that's back in October, November. Um, time goes by January. One of my friends plays in Germany and was sick and had corona. I'm like, oh, what? You got corona? Like, yeah, are you okay? And they were like, yeah, they just had isolated me for eight days and, you know, it it was gone, you know? And they gave them antibiotics. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm I'm thinking like, okay, that's just how I treat it. It's, it's normal. Then it here comes March and we're here preparing for a game. It's a Monday and um, I see one league, one country cancels coronavirus. I'm like, dang, that's crazy. I, man, that, I would hate for that to be us. And then three, four days of practice go. It's Thursday now. And like, oh, we get there. It's like, oh, we're not practicing. You know, the board is meeting, the president, the GM, the coaches, the community, the sponsors, you know, everybody's meeting. I'm like, wow. And then Friday they call it. It was like, yeah, the games are postponed for three weeks. And then, like, there was more countries around me canceling. And then by Sunday, we get a call. It was like, your league is canceled. You know, season's over. I'm like, wow. So now I'm panicking, like, how are we going to figure out the money, you know? So yeah. We, we, You know, we're trying to figure out that situation. You know, we call, president calls in, calls us in for a meeting. We're like, when are we going home? Like, and then, it's, you know, about five, six days goes by. And then here comes, I think it was like Monday. And they're like, yeah, you're going to have to fly out here by Wednesday. The airports will be closed down by, by Tuesday night. I mean, by uh, Thursday morning, Thursday morning. I was like, wow. So and um, it, w- it was like an eight-day span where it just all happened. It just, I think it was about eight days total for me where my life just changed like that. And it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, snap of the fingers almost. So, I mean, you are in St. Louis here now. Uh, I caught you when you were training the other day. So you're still trying to stay in shape and prepare for the season, whenever that may be. What uh, What's your new normal? Are you unlocking the gym up at Webster Gross High from Blossom? Or what, what, what are you settling into now here in St. Louis? Uh. Now I'm just working out. I actually have a kid that I, I think is going to be very, very good. He reminds me of – hes I don't want to say Drew Hanlon, but, you know, he kind of reminds me of him with – I'll say the work ethic, you know, of how people spoke of Drew. This is what I would have imagined how Drew would be, and that's Matt Enright, ah. you know. I I work with Matt Enright. Um, I've been working out with him. He has a hoop at his house and, like, some weights and stuff. So, And I, I, I wanted to give back to someone here, so – I really enjoy that right now. I take him to the track with me, you know. We do some basketball stuff, some plyos. And I just try to teach him all the things I know, really, trying to take him under my wing and just, you know, just try to give back. And I also bring my little brother, Levi Yates, with me. You know, he's the same age as sophomore okay. is going to be juniors. You know, and that's basically all I'm doing. It was a, it's a couple kids over here by Bell Park that I saw over there working out. And, I, you know, that made me happy. I stopped helping him. I told them, you know, we'll figure out a day. You know, I don't want any money for it. You know, I'm just just want to give back and help those kids. You know, there was always someone that helped me. I was never one that had much. You know, so there was always someone that helped me. So I would never want anyone to pay me for me to help them. So that's pretty much all I'm doing. 
I would I wouldn't want none of these kids that come from my background. You know, I I would train kids, but right now I'm I'm not into it for the money. That's awesome, man. So you're actually taking you know to stay in shape or almost picking up something new. You're doing some one on one training slash coaching here and helping yeah. those around the community. That that's awesome. Well, so yeah. what do you know about next season? Uh, have they let you know as far as a start date, how many games, you know, structure of pay, anything they've let on as far as what the next season will look like for you? Yeah, next season, it, they, they are predicting a 25 to 40% decrease in pay, but nothing's guaranteed right now. You know, nobody knows how much longer this is going on. Uh, some some leagues may not start until January. Uh, we don't know if there's going to be like an international flight ban or what. So we don't even know if we're going to be able to fly international yet into certain countries. So it's all just up in the air, honestly. Nobody really knows. There's been a lot of whispers of different things like that I've just mentioned, but none of us really know. Okay. Is is the plan to go back? Is that the goal to, to get back over in Europe and continue doing it if it works out that way? Or is it all yeah. just going to depend on what you learn here from now going forward? No, I'll, I'll for sure go back to Europe. You know, I want to play in Europe for maybe two or three years more and then try to see if I could get a crack at the NBA, you know, like a backup point guard role. You know, that's still the goal. So, you know, that's that's sure. what I'm working towards. Whether I get there or not, you know, that's, that's the goal, to be a second, second point guard on somebody's team. Well, man, I appreciate you taking some time today. We uh, Good catching up. Good to hear that you're uh, staying positive, and I, I hope this clears up soon for you so we can continue to track you. Ray, thanks so much, man. We'll do it again. I appreciate you. Good catching up with Ray Sean Simmons. Again, he is a pro baller out in Europe. Really happy he took some time to talk about his career. Really good stuff getting the insight of – the day-to-day, what the league is like, what he was thinking as far as that being best for him to extend his career. And one thing that I really took away from talking with him is the fact that he said, you know what, I had to really do some self-assessing. I had to do some self-scouting here. I wasn't ready to compete at the NBA level. It's more prudent for me to go overseas, develop more as a player, and then see what I can do maybe a few years down the road. And best of luck to him. Hope he figures out how to continue playing in Europe because it really sounded like he wanted to. And due to COVID-19, hopefully he can continue to do that. But one thing that I always like to do when I'm talking about self-awareness and self-assessment is go back and look at the things that I got wrong and things that I didn't really think about too much. And when we talk about the St. Louis Cardinals, Adam Wainwright, this is a guy that totally I, I whiffed on. I thought he was done at Petco Park back in 2018. I thought it was time for the Cardinals to have a press conference. It was time for John Mazalock, Adam Wainwright, at the time Mike Matheny, the manager, to sit down and for him to retire. I thought he was done. I didn't think he had anything left to offer. But there was a neat article that came out in The Athletic with Ken Rosenfeld. Mainly it highlighted his charities, and that's all good and well. But the one thing that he did talk about is he's feeling really refreshed from taking this time due to the pandemic with his family and feeling like he can play a couple more years. And one thing that I've learned is that when you try to remake yourself as a pitcher, Adam Wainwright used to be a power pitcher, but now obviously he's working more on finesse. There is, there seems to be at least a two, 
two to three year adjustment period. When you look at guys like Wainwright, who kind of showed that last year, you look at CC Sabathia, who did that with the Yankees. Bartolo Colon did that. Uh, even Justin Verlander, who converted himself from a different type of pitcher. You can have a, a second act, if you will, in this league. And that's something that I didn't you know, think was possible. I thought he was done. And he really showed me that he still is worth trotting out there every fifth day. He can provide some value. He's not going to be the Cy Young candidate. But I think that when we're talking about taking time off from a pandemic, being able to stay healthy, remain healthy, treat your body in a way that allows you to perform for maybe a couple more years at a level that you otherwise wouldn't, he's taking advantage of this. This could be very good for him. And, you know, I, I, I'm all aboard Wainwright having maybe a better year, especially in a short season in 2020 and beyond in 2021. I'm all in on him having a better year than maybe I anticipated because I think he has crossed that bridge as far as transitioning from the pitcher that he was in 2014, now having that time under his belt to the pitcher that he is now, uh, which is, again, more finesse, throwing less innings, but also mixing it over the plate on both sides as opposed to blowing it by hitters. Adam Wainwright, uh, check out the article in The Athletic. It was a good one. It was by Ken Rosenthal. I think the Cardinals do have a good one in their fifth starter. Appreciate everyone listening. Really enjoyed this show. A little bit different one, a little bit shorter, a little different format. Might be doing some more of these interviews, especially when we got content uh, that is a little bit dearth due to no games going on here. Hopefully we can uh, keep on rolling and sports will be back before we know it. I do know that there's a... Uh, alleged proposal out there from the MLB that they're going to give to the players union that maybe gives us baseball come July 4th weekend. That would be awesome. Uh, I'd be all for it. Sequestered DH in the NL, whatever you got to do, just, just give me sports. I'm, uh, I'm so sick of watching replays from the 2008 regular season. I'm ready for some live events. I was watching UFC last weekend and some of the best television that I've seen on, on a, uh, on a sports network in quite some time. So hit up the text line, hit up the DMs wide open. If you've got thoughts that you want heard here on the show, you can hit the direct line. It's going to be 816-226-7483. That's 816-226-7483. You can text, you can call, leave a voicemail. You can even just fire it right in the direct messages. I'll read it right here and answer on the show. Again, appreciate everybody listening. It's the podcast with 4C.